All right. Thank you. Thank you. How good it is to be in the house of the Lord, huh? God is so good. Well, that was a great Sunday last Sunday. I enjoyed it. It's good to see the church growing and good to see uh, the ones set apart for being as assistant pastors, all those little babies being born. The other Sunday we baptized 12 new people into the body of Christ. That was just great. And, and, and God, God's doing things in the, in the house. Hallelujah. It's a great time to be at Excite Church and in Kerry Kerry and in the far north uh, because God's doing things. And our subject uh, for this month is uh, hands for the harvest. Hands up those who have hands. I see those hands. So it's good. So um, there's, a, there's a harvest. Uh, God, God is preparing a harvest. And I want to uh, give you a scripture here this morning. And it's found in John chapter 4 and verse 35. Are we ready? Is that up there? Is it coming up on the screen? Let's all read it together, shall we? Don't you have a saying, it's still four months unto harvest. I tell you, open your eyes and look at the fields. They are ripe for harvest. Sometimes we put off the blessing of God to out there somewhere. Sometimes we can be tempted to say, oh, well, yes, I know God's going to do something, but it's out there somewhere. And, and that's true because there's always things out there somewhere that God has for us. But Jesus was saying, open your eyes. Have a look around because uh, the harvest is already ripening. And, and so as a church, we want to be in a position to gather that harvest. We want to believe God for all the things that he has for us and we need hands for the harvest. It's just like uh, Debbie was saying, you know, she asked God, what can I do to serve? And, and the Lord says, why don't you do this? We say, well, wait a minute. Um, I'd just rather do something else, thanks, Lord. But there's a harvest coming, yes? Hands up those who have any inkling that that might be true. Yeah. When we talk about harvest in the church, we're talking about many people coming to Christ. That's the harvest. We're talking about people. We're talking about people whom God has been talking to and preparing over, over a time, and, and, and they come to that point where they say, yes, I, I'm going to give my life to Christ. I'm going to turn away from the old, and I'm going to turn towards him. And I'm going to walk with him for the, all the days of my life. And there is a harvest of people who are getting ready to join his church. Hallelujah. All across this far north area, God is moving by his spirit. There is a harvest there. And at times through history in New Zealand, there's been seasons of great harvests. Last week we saw on the screen, we saw a, a video of uh, uh, the times where God has moved in our nation. I'm going to show you that again in a moment. But over the history of the, of the nation, there has been times where thousands of people have come to know the Lord over a short period of time. 
And so I want you to look at this uh, video again. Those of you who were here last week will remember it, but we don't catch everything. But I want you to see, and I want you to take notice what was spoken by the Maori elder before Marsden came into this country. And then I want you to see the results and, and, and see what God has been doing in our nation over from then to now. Let's have that on, on the screen. It's my conviction that this is a new season right now in this far north area. And I want to share with you some things about that. The Dallymore Revival in Auckland Town Hall saw one man that I know was born again during that mission. His name was Dalray Walker. He later married my mother's sister, and they went out into Indonesia and there were ministered for 40 years. While I was out in Indonesia and ministering there amongst the different churches and at the Bible school that they've raised up, which still continues today, I was asked to speak. One of the Bible school students had just been out of Bible school one year. There was a harvest going on in Indonesia at the time. And this Bible school student came to me and said, could you preach from my church on Sunday? This was on Saturday night. I said, look, I'm already preaching three or four times tomorrow. I don't think I can do it. He says, oh, you could come to my church. I said, well, I don't think I can. But you need to see Tanta Walker and, uh, see, and, and talk to her. Oh, he says, you can come to, I'm sure you can come to my church. He says, my, he says, my church is at 6 o'clock in the morning. I said, well, I, actually, I can come to your church. And at 6 o'clock in the morning, I went to his church out in the village, and there was, a th- over, there was this, no windows, just, a, just a, a shelter. And there was about 300 people there. It was jam-packed, and there was people looking in through the windows, and crowding in at 6 o'clock in the morning. And then I found out that this young man, he'd been out of Bible school one year, and he had now, after one year, he had seven churches. And Sunday he preached at 6 o'clock in the morning, then he went somewhere else at night, and then he, on Monday he, was, he, he had opened another church, on Tuesday he went to preach at his third church, on Friday, on Wednesday... And, and through the week, he had these churches that he had opened, and that Sunday he was baptizing over 60 people that had come to the Lord just one year out because God was moving by his Spirit. The other thing I noticed that when I was out in Indonesia was this. When it was harvest time for the rice to come in, you would see as you drove through the area, you would see the people out in the rice fields, and everybody was there. And you'd see mum and dad out there, and you'd see all the little kids out there gathering in the, gathering in the harvest. And, 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 and grandma would be there, and grandpa would be there, and the children would be, little ones would be strapped at the backs. And everyone in the whānau would be out gathering the harvest. And the reason for that was 
A harvest only has so long that it can be gathered and then that harvest is past. And when God begins to move by His Spirit, there is a harvest comes to fullness. And then, if it's not gathered, it is lost. And so the whole family would get busy and go out of that harvest to gather it in. I want you to look at the scripture, Matthew chapter 9 and verse 35. What does it say? Jesus went through all the towns and the villages, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Imagine in the rice fields of Indonesia, when the harvest had come to that point where it must be gathered. If grandma said, I can't, I'm not going, I, I'm, I'm a bit tired. Imagine if grandpa said, I'm going to sleep for the afternoon. Imagine if the kid says, I'm sorry, I'm playing football. I'm too busy with this, that, and the other. Imagine if there was only just dad who went out into the harvest field to gather that, he wouldn't be able to get it in in the time, and much of the harvest would be lost. Jesus says in the scripture, he says, he had compassion on the people because they were harassed and helpless. It was like they, they, they were sheep didn't have a shepherd. They couldn't find their way to the pasture. They couldn't find their way in life. They didn't have a shepherd to care for them. Jesus said, when you see that sort of situation, know this, the harvest is plentiful. Those of us who have been up in this far north area for a while, especially with Sophie and I and others, Gary, and we've been involved in, in the secondary schools, and we know that there is another generation coming through in this far north area that has harassed, helpless. The fathers are missing. The people, the young people are wandering like sheep without a shepherd. They don't know which way to turn. Jesus said, at such a time, the harvest is plentiful. And those of us here in this far north area know that there is a harvest that is plentiful in this area. They need Jesus. And they need every pair of hands in the present church that are alive and have been born again to be available to serve in, the, in, in some way with a heart for the people that don't know Jesus yet. And Jesus said, pray that there'll be thrust workers out into the harvest field. And that's what this series this month is all about. It's about preparing hands for the harvest. It's about asking ourselves in this one church, and may it be multiplied many times through the churches in the far north area, what if 100 
people came to Christ before the end of the year. Here, in this house. Are we ready to nurture them? Are we ready to care for them? Are we ready to get alongside them one, twice a week? Are we willing to walk with them and disciple them and to encourage them to become devoted followers of Jesus Christ? Two years ago, I was just having my quiet time and reading the Bible. And I, and I came to Ezekiel chapter 43. And when I looked at the chapter 43, the heading, all of a sudden, the presence of the Lord came into that room. I started to be moved. I hadn't even read the jolly chapter. But God's presence came so strongly in the room. And I became emotional and I just started to feel that God was about to say something. And I've learned over the years that when his presence comes as I'm reading the Bible, this is sometimes what I do. I just lay my hands over the Bible before I read it and say, Lord, Holy Spirit, help me to understand what you're going to tell me right now. Help me to get it. And so I did that and I began to read. And this is what I read. Then the man brought me to the gate facing east. And I saw the glory of God coming from the east. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters and the land was radiant with his glory. I got that far, I couldn't go any further. The thing that I've carried over the years is to see the glory of God touching people's lives, hallelujah, and transforming them by the power of his word and by the power of his presence. God began to say, Ian, the glory of God is coming to this far north area. You say, what's the glory of God? Well, it's a person. His voice. His voice was like the roar of rushing waters. His name is Jesus. You say, who is the glory of God? It's Jesus. He's the glory of the Father. He's the glory of heaven. Hallelujah. I began to understand that the Holy Spirit was talking to me that today we're living in such a day. Hallelujah. The land was radiant with His glory. When Jesus comes in His power and His glory and the gospel begins to spread, and a season of harvest begins to burst upon the nation and upon this far north area. This land will be filled and radiant with the glory of God. Hallelujah. The people will hear that something is happening. 
There will be joy in the streets. There will be talking and, and joy. The despair will begin to lift. The brokenness will begin to be healed. The chains will begin to be broken over people's lives. Addictions will fall to the ground. People will begin to stand up again, hallelujah, in their life as they open their hearts to Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, and as He begins to gather the harvest by the power of His Spirit, the glory of the Lord. And in the vision I saw, I was like the vision I'd seen when He came to destroy the city and like the visions I'd seen by the Kibar River and I fell face down. Next bit. And the glory of the Lord, his name is Jesus, entered the temple through the gate facing east. Oh, Lord, I said, Lord, if you'd return to your house in power. Now, I know that when we gather, he comes, but there is a greater awareness and a greater manifestation of the presence of God than what we've enjoyed and encountered so far in our lives. There's more, hallelujah. There's greater gatherings, hallelujah. Then the Spirit lifted me up and brought me into the inner court. I felt God do that. All of a sudden my spirit lifted and I, can't. I was in the presence of God, in the inner presence of God. I said, Lord, why would you lift a person up and bring them into the inner court? He said, so you can intercede. It's the altar of incense. Those that understand are there. So that you can pray this thing in. And Sophia and I have time to time gone down to where Marsden preached his first sermon and began to pray and began to read the scripture. Say, Lord, come, Lord Jesus, come. Because that's east of the city. Down there. And while the man was standing beside me, I heard someone speaking to me from inside the temple. Hallelujah. And he said, I don't know whether you've got the next bit. He said, Son of man, this is the place of my throne. This is the place of my footstool and the place for the soles of my feet. This is where I will live among the people forever. God wants to not just visit this area far north. He wants to live here. He's not talking about visitation. He's talking about habitation where there is a sustained sense of the presence of God. Hallelujah. God wants to touch people's lives. I began to just weep. And faith began to build in my heart. Say, Lord, come, Lord Jesus. Come to this far north area and do what you need to do. Now we saw on the screen that 46 years before Samuel Marsden came, a Maori elder, Arama Torua, prophesied that a God would come to the bay. He was living out there at Rangahau. And on the mountain, they received a vision of a God who would come 
whose son, in the name of the, of the God, would be the, uh, his son, had been killed. And when Samuel Marsden turned up, 46 years later began to speak about Jesus Christ on that Christmas day in 1814, the Maori people understood that this was their God that had come. That this was not just a colonial God, this was their God. This was not just a God of the white man, this was what God had spoken to them about their future, about the saviour of the world. And thousands began to turn to him. Hundreds and then thousands began to turn. Up in Kaitaia there, they had a conference there and they built a shelter to house the feeding and the thing. It was three football fields long to house the people. Hundreds were came. Just where we used to live up in Kaitaia, there's a, 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 a par on the hill just where we used to live on, on Church Road. And on Sunday morning, Every Sunday morning, 500 people will go from that par. They would sing the hymns and they would go down to church on Sunday morning. Hallelujah. Thousands came to the Lord during that time. There was a harvest time. Do it again, Lord. Do it again, Lord. Earlier, was it this year... A few of us went out to Rangahau and heard someone, what was the name of that fellow that spoke? Tuhurianga. And he shared with us there that where the Marae was built out at Rangahau, they called that mountain Rangahau, which means the gateway of heaven. Long before the gospel ever came to New Zealand, that particular mountain was called the gateway of heaven. And it's out east from here. And maybe it is that the gospel is going to come in such power and the glory of God is going to come again in another wave in this far north area that will touch many lives. It's been prophesied again and again that there is a revival coming in this far north area. And we need to believe that. Jesus said to Mary, blessed are those who believe what was spoken to them. The harvest starts out with just a few sprouts coming out of the ground. Let's read Mark chapter 4, verse 26 to 29. He also said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First, the stalk, then the head then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. Some of you remember that about uh, uh, some months ago, three or four months ago, I received just a, a picture in my mind about 
that the land was just covered in ash. I have to bring that. It's covered in ash. But as I watched, the ash was just all grey and covered the landscape, and then out of the ash there came green shoots. It started to come up out of the ash. And the Lord spoke to me from a scripture. It says, For as the soil, Isaiah 61 and verse 11 says, For as the soil makes the sprout come up, and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. The beginning of the harvest is the shoots that first start to come up. It's happening right now. It's happening right among us. Hallelujah. I look over here. There's a cluster of young men who have just given their hearts to the Lord in the last few times. I keep talking to people and there's people, there's, 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 God is, is calling people. People are coming alive. Over the ashes of COVID, God has been working by His Spirit. I see Gary and Tiava there. They've come alive in God. God is preparing hands for the harvest. Hallelujah. I see Reuben and, and, and Martin. See Martin there. This year, these boys are alive. Last Thursday night, they had they, they have their own meeting. They they had twelve gathered, all, all new. Sprouts coming up. This time last year, those two boys, Martin and, and they they weren't ready for this harvest. They were, we were still walking with them, and now they're looking after the others that are coming in. And the stories of how some of these boys are coming to the Lord is absolutely miraculous. It is a God thing. It is a sign of the beginning of a harvest. Hallelujah. And there's more on the way. There's others out there who are waiting to come, who are waiting to hear that Jesus saves. Hallelujah. That Jesus heals today. That Jesus has compassion today. That Jesus cares about people today. That Jesus is the shepherd of the sheep. Hallelujah. And he loves people with an, with an unfailing love. And we, you and I, we carry this message. We are the message. We are the message. Would you walk with three new Christians? Would you? People just like you, but have just come into the kingdom. I was so thrilled. We were out in town after church, and there was a lady in our church, and she had met someone in church, and she'd taken her to lunch. And there they were having lunch. New to the church. I said, that's it. It's as simple as that. Three months ago, I'm reading the Bible. Now, it hasn't been three months since I have read it. But I was reading it as I do it every day. And the same thing happens. I'm just about to read Mark chapter 2 and the presence of the Lord. Hands up those who know what I'm talking about here. Just came so real into the room and I'm, and I'm thinking, put my hand on this, I'm not going to read it till I've prayed. <laughs> I said, Lord, 
Show me what this is. Show me what it is so I don't miss it. You know, you can read the Bible and it just goes, and you miss it. I don't want to miss it. So Mark chapter 2 came in. Look at what it said. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. Again, I never got past that. Tears started to come down my face. I said, Lord, what is this? He said, I'm telling you, and I told you two years before, I'm coming back to my house in power. I'm coming, hallelujah, to back to my temple, to the house of God with an anointing, and the people heard that Jesus had come. And look at the next bit. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left. No, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Do you have faith for this? Would you join the leadership of this church in faith to believe that the days will come that there will not be room in this house because of the harvest that is coming in? Hallelujah. In, in, in the life of David, it says when, the, when he was young, the Spirit of the Lord would come upon him from time to time. That's what we're experiencing now. The Spirit of the Lord comes upon us strong. This house was full. Last Sunday it was full with all the dedications. At Christmas time, that's Christmas service, we had to turn 200 away. We couldn't get, there were 600 in here. We turned 200 and said, you can't get in. What about that every Sunday? Would it be honoring to the Lord? Yes, it would. Would it be honoring to the Lord every church in the far north was like that? That's the sort of harvest that God wants to bring in. He preached the word to them. Verse 12 says, you see what happened? Four fellas, they couldn't get, their friend was paralyzed. They couldn't get him into the house, so they opened the roof and laid him down. Remember, many of you remember that story, and Jesus forgave him of his sin, healed him, and he leapt to his feet, and he's praising God, and he was just rejoicing. And what did the people say? He got up, he took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. <laughs> yeah, I like it. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we've never seen anything like this. And I said, oh, Lord, as I'm reading this, I said, Lord, I want to hear that again. I want to hear the people saying, we've never seen anything like this before. Because God has done things in people's lives. Look at these guys over here. God has touched their lives. He's touched your life. Daniel came to the Lord last Sunday. Hallelujah. And over here, Duncan. God's touched his life by a miracle of God. The story, it's amazing. It's begun. It's begun. Hallelujah. Wouldn't it be good to go out of church on Sunday? You're having a coffee. He said, I've never seen anything like this before. I say, Lord, bring it on, Lord, bring it on. That we might hear it over and over again. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory of the Lord. 
filled the temple. The glory of God came by the east gate. This area is the cradle of the gospel. It's coming again. The gospel and power and anointing to set people free. Jesus was of the Holy Spirit. It's not just to a geographical area that the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God, the glory of God, the Spirit of Jesus, it's to you and to me. He said, this is the place of my throne here in our hearts. This is the place of my footstool. This is where I live. Hallelujah. That's the glory of the gospel, that he comes personally to us. You say, Ian, I, I don't know whether I've ever experienced that. I don't, I, but maybe you're sitting there this morning and you're, you, you're not sure whether you've ever really received the Spirit of the Lord in your life. You've never really opened the door of your life to Jesus Christ. Say, I've heard about others. I sense that he's drawing me closer and closer, but there comes that time when the harvest of your life is ready and you say, yes, Lord. Let me read to you from the book of Revelation chapter 3 and verse 20. It says, Behold, I stand at the door. This is Jesus speaking. Behold, I'm standing at the door and knock. If any man, if any person will hear my voice, it's probable that you've been hearing his voice of late. It's possible that you've been hearing him knocking on the door of your life saying, let me in. He says, if you hear that, if you open the door, I will come in and live with him. That is the glorious possibility of becoming a Christian, a follower of Jesus. The greatest thing you and I can ever do, and the most wonderful thing that we can ever do, the most life-changing thing that we can ever do, is to open the door of our lives and invite the Son of the living God, His name is Jesus, to come into our lives. Say, Lord, this morning I'm ready. I opened the door this morning. You who are the glory of God, by your Spirit, come to me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. I'm ready to start again a brand new way of living with Jesus as my Savior and my Lord. He's the greatest shepherd that you'll ever know. He's the greatest friend. If you but just turn away from the old. Turn away of life without him and whatever is in that. Turn your back on it. Say, Lord, I turn towards you this morning. And I open the door of my heart and I walk towards you this morning. Forgive me and cleanse me and give me the start that you promised you'd give me. My friend, You'll never be the same. 
will do for you what he's done for others. He'll change you, forgive you, and open up a pathway and a destiny that only he could dream of. Let's pray together, shall we? Father, we bow our heads in your presence this morning because you are God. We are but people. We honor you as our Father and as our God. Jesus, as a church, we welcome you to come home in the manifest power of your presence, Lord, where hundreds will find you as their Savior and Lord, where bodies will be healed, devils will set, be sent running, chains will be broken, and lives will be changed for all eternity. Lord, we welcome you. Come, Lord Jesus, come. Father, I pray that you'll also open the hearts of us as individuals to be available, to be hands for the harvest. Thank you, Lord.